Do you believe in the magic of dreams? That if you wish upon a shooting star with all your heart, dreams really do come true? And now, if you'll come this way, I can show you our secret laboratory. You see, we invited distinguished scientists from all over the world to come and work here. Unfortunately, none of them showed up. present a visual journey, an international fantasy of music and light. We're about to embark on a sparkling abstract expedition. W, w Radio, your information station. Hello everybody and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 262 for the week of February 19th, 2012. You can design and create and build the most wonderful place in the world, but it takes people to make the dream a reality. That quote from Walt Disney exemplifies why Walt Disney World and all the Disney parks worldwide mean so much to so many people and why we keep coming back again and again to a place that makes us believe in magic. And in my continuing effort to introduce you to some of the people that make that magic happen, this week I'm sharing my conversation with Carol Stein. Now you may not know her name yet, but chances are you've seen and heard her at the Hoopty Doo Review, the Diamond Horseshoe Saloon, the old Top of the World Supper Club, the Grand Floridian Lobby, the Comedy Warehouse in Pleasure Island, and of course, behind the piano at the Rosen Crown Pub, to name just a few. She'll share her personal stories about working at Walt Disney World for more than three decades and offer advice for others looking to help make the magic as well. I'll have some information about a special WDW Radio Live coming up this Wednesday, February 22nd, before playing more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Walt Disney World was created and is sustained through the dedication, the time, and the talents of people from an incredibly wide spectrum of disciplines, from storytellers to artists, songwriters to engineers, animators to construction workers, the list goes on and on. But of course, as the sun rises and the parks open their gates each and every day, it's the people who make Walt Disney World a truly special, and for a lot of us, and actually kind of a magical place. But oftentimes, we don't know the names of the people that we see every day, and for whom we sometimes look for 
when we return on our next vacation. So this week, I want to once again introduce you to someone who you may have seen in the past in one of many places throughout the resort and whose incredible talent helps make our experiences more fun, memorable, and yeah, maybe even a little bit magical. And she is Carol Stein, one of the most talented performers in all of Walt Disney World. Carol, it's such a pleasure to uh, to be sitting out here on the boardwalk with you. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here, and it is magical. Look at the sun shining and being here with you, Lou. Thank you. I gotta tell you, Carol, I- I'm not used to seeing you, n- not just on the boardwalk, but not behind a piano, because that's where, you know, that's where I'm used to seeing you in, in a lot of different places. We'll get to that here in Walt Disney World. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people probably don't know your name, um, but I think would definitely recognize your face, certainly your voice and your talent. Um, and I want to start, I want to introduce them to what you've done before we talk about that in depth a little bit, uh, because you've been here for more than two decades in places <laughs> like the Rose and Crown and the Comedy Warehouse, hoop de doo and before we talk about your experiences here in Walt Disney World, uh, I'd love to hear a little more about your background because I, I have to think that sort of music was in your blood from a very, very early age. Actually, from my mother's side. Um, my mother played trumpet and went to New England Conservatory of Music. Her name is Betty. And all her sisters and brothers, they were musicians, dancers, artists. My mom's also a brilliant artist. Um, my dad plays the radio and the TV, and that's about it. So it's definitely <laughs> for my mom. And actually, the day that I was born, the night before, my mom was playing mahjong and trumpet. And she and her friends and her sisters were all jamming, and they and all of a sudden she had me. They said, oh, she's either going to be a mahjong player or a musician. <laughs> and uh, there was a piano in the house always. All the sisters all had pianos. So I was raised in a house where there was a piano. And one day I just started, I was about two, and started singing nursery rhymes and just playing them. And my mom came in and looked at me and said, where did you learn to do that? I didn't know. I just did it. So she sat down and taught me to read music. And then at age four, she said, would you like to really take lessons? And a little precocious four-year-old said, well, sure, I'd love to. So I started uh, classical lessons with a wonderful teacher down in Miami. I was born in Miami. And I started piano lessons, and uh, we did half theory, half music. And I studied privately always, and uh, the influence was from then, from my mother's side. So you're studying classical piano at four when most of us at age four are playing with rocks and sticks and, and dirt. Um, but, you know, that wasn't enough for you because, you know, you sort of, uh, would you get bored with the piano by the time you were 12 and want to pick up a, a couple of other instruments as well? Well, my brothers were in the band. <laughs> and I'm jealous because I took piano for years and if I could play, you know, scales, it would be a lot at this point. <laughs> My brother Marty played trumpet, and my brother Stephen played trumpet. Unfortunately, my brother Stephen, who's a fabulous dentist, uh, was like my father, and he's tone deaf. <laughs> but my brother Marty was uh, very good on trumpet, and I thought, wow, being in the band would be great. So um, I played saxophone in the band, and then bassoon with the orchestra season. And then uh, I ended up my first journey to Europe. I was 16 years old, and uh, played bassoon and it was called America's Youth in Concert and we went to Carnegie Hall and we went to the Kennedy Center and then we did a tour of Europe and I was hooked yeah and, and that, <laughs> like I, you know we could talk about your pre-Disney career for a long time because you have been you've been around the world you've played in more than 40 countries and yeah little places like Carnegie Hall um, <laughs> you know because a lot of people look you know we take music lessons and I took 
I took clarinet, I took piano, I took trumpet. Don't say, yay, I can't play for the life of me. Um, I thought I was going to be the next Herb Alpert, but it never quite happened. Um, I probably would have been better at mahjong, I guess. Uh, But you went on, you really took this profession. You you actually have a a master's degree from University of Florida. Yes, it's a master's degree in dental science, however. I was leading in that direction because... Well, I do, ma- music is my passion, absolutely. It's absolutely my passion in life. However, I did not want to be a starving musician, which I had seen. So I decided I would go the medical route and have a degree. And uh, so I, I went to become a doctor, and my brother, who was a dentist, said, no, no, you won't get to do your music that much, so be a dentist. I said, okay. So I went, and I became a dental hygienist first, and I was practicing, and then I got my bachelor's, and then I was doing my master's, And I ended up at University of Florida doing this, where they had a music school and a dental school. So I did. I did special dental considerations for musicians because I had the music department and the dental department, and I tied it together. You know you're the only one on the planet probably that has that music dental connection. No, actually, I was able to contact dentists around the world who specialize as dentists with musicians. I mean, if you're a musician and you're a trombone player and you have a dental issue, you can't play your trombone. If you're a violinist, you know how they put the violin underneath their chin? Well, it causes some TMJ problems. So I found this out by dealing with dentists from around the world who specialize in musicians. And then I was going to go to dental school in the fall, but I decided to take a break and I went to Europe. Uh, to you know how college kids go and you backpack and you do do your rail and you sleep in sleeping bags under trees and so I did that uh, for a couple months and ended up getting offered a dental hygiene job in Switzerland. <laughs> so I did. I went over to Switzerland and I uh, I was going to go for a year and then go back to dental school and then instead I ended up working as a dental hygienist in Switzerland for quite a few years and then had. Uh, the opportunity to play some jazz clubs and these agents just said hey we can book you around the world would you like to do that and I thought for about two seconds I said yes so ever since the 80s I've just been traveling around the world from Switzerland all over Europe and then Hong Kong and Asia and just playing piano around the world you're, you know, you're, if we stopped right there, you're living the dream of a lot of musicians <laughs> that sort of imagine that happening, although they don't probably start off as dental hygienists. They just... I do keep my dental <laughs> hygiene license up to date. I take all my continuing education credits still, just in case. You know I'm self-conscious about smiling now. Uh, in front of you. <laughs> you have great teeth. You have a beautiful smile. Oh, all right. <laughs> so, but the, um, I think the reason why you probably got gobbled up so quickly by agents is because... You have a very unique style, and I sort of put style in air quotes because your style is you almost have no style because you play a lot of different familiar songs in very different kinds of ways. So you might take a nursery rhyme and make it classical. You might take (laughs) Mozart and make it rock. Tell us a little bit about how that style developed for you. Well, when I was studying classical, uh, Catherine Carlo was my teacher. She was the pianist with the uh, Florida Symphony at that time. And I was studying strictly classical, but I love jazz and I love musicals. And she said, oh, no, 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 you can't do any of that. And, of course, when you tell someone they can't, they'll do it just because you were told they couldn't. So I would take Beethoven and turn it into a swing style. And she was not happy at all. (laughs) And then I would take swing style tunes and play them perhaps uh, as Mozart or Beethoven or Tchaikovsky and it just was a passion that I had. I mean, there were so many styles. Bach actually was an incredible improviser. His notes were not all written out. He had chord symbols actually as numbers 
and he would improvise as well. So, you know, he, Bach was a great jazzer. <laughs> and uh, I've always just done that, and my professor really, really was not pleased that I did that. But it's something I enjoy, and I just... Because I played bassoon in orchestras, I sat in the middle. You know, you have the trombones behind you. You have the, the strings uh, sitting in front of you, and the, the basses are here, and the flutes and the oboes. And So when I'm playing a piano piece as a soloist... I pretend I'm the orchestra. So in my head, when I'm playing something, to me, I'm hearing flutes as I'm playing. So a lot of how I play as a solo pianist, not with a group, but as a soloist, is very much, in my mind, I'm pretending I'm an orchestra. Or when I played sax in the big band, I had that style in my head. So when I'm playing as a soloist, it's full of um, musicality in my own mind of what I think (laughs) I'm playing. (laughs) Well, one of the things that impressed me most one of the first times I saw you which was uh, relatively long ago at a number of places like Comedy Warehouse and mm-hmm. um, in the UK and at a couple of special events was not just how you were able to manipulate music that we were very familiar with but you were able to sort of just compose right on the spot and you'd ask somebody their name and their favorite color whatever it might be and you would just come up with tunes that rhymed and sounded as though you sat in front of a piano for hours creating it. How did that start to develop, and where did you start bringing that into your repertoire? And then I do want to get into how you started out with Disney. Well, actually, Chris Oyen is the uh, godfather, shall we say, of the Comedy Warehouse. And because I was fortunate enough to be asked to be the pianist, that's what made me come back from Europe. Um, They asked me to come full-time to Disney, and I started at the Comedy Warehouse, which is a total improvisational theater. And uh, I was able to develop by being part of all the workshops that all these amazingly brilliant improvisational actors that Disney is so fortunate to have. Many of them came down from New York. Many of them came down from Minneapolis, a hotbed of improv. And some of them were music theater people that Chris Oyen and Disney um, uh, nurtured into more improv and, and they're brilliant. I mean, they're just brilliant. So I was able to be a part of that process, and that's how a lot of that entered my particular style of entertainment. As, um, as a pianist, I was always an improviser. Um, I, I'm, I always looked at myself at Comedy Warehouse as I was underscoring their scenes, and you would have to create a music, whatever scene they did, you would underscore it. Was it scary? Was it sad? Was it funny? Was it a foreign situation? And because I was fortunate to live in so many different countries and be involved in so many different aspects of music, I was able to pull that all together and just create and compose on the spot uh, as the underlying scoring of a scene. Um, as far as now singing and creating my own verses, um, that I had to nurture and develop uh, because of the particular role that I'm presently in. I think that was probably one of the first place that I remember seeing you and just being, again, blown away, not by the, the actors themselves, but by what you were able to do because that adds a whole other talent to it. And look, even speaking of the Comedy Warehouse, recently Disney brought it back yes. for a little while during the Christmas. And yeah, that was the reaction of a lot of us. You know, look, when's the last time you saw lines outside of the Sounds Dangerous Theater? (laughs) All those people during the holidays were there to see you and the other people back at the Comedy Warehouse. And again, a bit of a different venue. What was that like coming back and doing that again? Oh, we were in heaven. We were just loving it. It was awesome. Now, I really have to say, these actors, of which I had the fortune to work with, they are truly some of the best improvisational actors on the planet they're amazing they're they're smart they're witty they're talented yes they can sing and they and they can act but they are so you have to have a lot 
of knowledge in your mind to be able to pull from to be able to improvise. Whether it's uh, pop culture references, whether it's political references, whether it's Disney uh, trivia, um, whether it's knowledge about the arts, they're they're so multifaceted, and I'm always in awe. I'm I just oh, it was great working together, and they were they were such fun shows. They were geared especially towards the holidays and Disney, of course, which is um, also very difficult because you're narrowing your breadth of what you're doing. However, the best part about these actors and what we would do is it's Disney, so it's not going to have language that would embarrass you to be sitting with your five-year-old child or your 90-year-old grandmother. But it still can be on the edge, (laughs) you know? And that's that's the great part about it. It's for everybody. There's something for everybody. And I think that's why so many people wanted to come back. And I I know people miss the Comedy Warehouse, not just us, which we really do. But a lot of people miss the Comedy Warehouse and, of course, the Adventurers Club where there's so many great actors. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I knew we were going to get through the Adventurers Club yeah. eventually because a lot of people still lament the loss. Yes, but for, for a lot of us that came back, one of the things that we loved about the Comedy Warehouse and even the Adventurers Club to a certain degree was you never knew what you were going to get every time you walked in because, there was, you know, Adventurers Club sort of had their scenes and their actors and their scripts. Comedy Warehouse was something <laughs> new every single... So if you went on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, you'd get four different shows... Uh, depending on who was there, what of you guys course. felt like talking about. And yeah, you always did kind of, you always made sure it was kept clean to a certain degree. Later for, shows for had a little late, blue edge to yeah. it, but yes, yes, yes. And so, you know, I didn't get a chance to see um, the warehouse when it was at the studios, but I think it was great because it afforded, especially younger guests, an opportunity to see something they probably hadn't before. I'm sure to a certain degree for some of the actors, they had to keep some of the things they wish they could have said sometimes in check. But yeah, it becomes now accessible to everybody. What was interesting was they were asking people, many of the people that came were people that had never heard of Comedy Warehouse and been to Comedy Warehouse. But they heard through word of mouth, you've got to go see this show. So it was great to bring this art form at Disney to a whole new audience, as well as all the wonderful regulars that we really appreciate that also came, which was terrific. And I'm sure you have to like it, too, as a performer, because it's not the same. You're not doing a set where you're doing your one to ten songs. You could sort of have a lot more creative freedom and flexibility in what you're doing. Yes. I mean, that's the best part about improvising, which is very important to me, Um, especially where I'm performing now at Disney as well. Uh, No set is the same ever. And no night is the same ever. And it's it's sort of like when you're playing with a a jazz group in a jazz club. Depends what tunes you're calling. It depends. You might take one tune. Let's say you're going to take a song like My Funny Valentine, which is traditionally a ballad. Uh, Well, last night I was at a jazz venue, and they turned it into an R&B funk version. (laughs) Probably not something I might have done, but you can. And so you can take the freedom of improvisation is taking that song or piece and interpreting it on that particular evening however you feel. So even if you do the same songs, you can do them differently. But my joy is trying to do not only various songs every set and every night, but creating new ones as well. And obviously it has to, you're going to be playing off the audience that's there as well. And I have to think that the audience interaction and engagement is a big part of it, especially with one of the roles that you're doing now, which is where I think where a lot of people will, will know you from. And this is where they're going to make the connection, is when we talk about the hat lady. Over I'm in really the good friends with I the hat think. lady. That's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> the hat lady, she's a, a very interesting character that truly gets to be an entertainer doing what Disney does best, celebrating the guests. That's the 100% goal of the hat lady, which is so awesome. It could be the sixth birthday of a child. It could be somebody who just became engaged 
or somebody who just got married or someone's on their honeymoon or you have someone who's having their 50th anniversary or somebody's first time ever uh, to not only uh, Disney or Epcot, but maybe they're 21 <laughs> and they're the first time during the around the world at Epcot. But you get to find out where they're from, people from all over the world. And you also get to, how should we say, edutainment, educate them in the culture of a British pub where we do the old-fashioned British tunes. Um, this character, Mari Lloyd, she was a real entertainer back in England, really beloved by the Brits, and uh, all the old-fashioned British tunes that you get to do. But we're a multifaceted UK pub, so we do lots of Irish tunes. Um, we do Scottish tunes. There's <laughs> such fun. There are not a lot of pub tunes from Wales, I have to admit. But, but the hat lady I know does several because she speaks to people people from Wales and make sure that she's current on what she can play for them. But the best part about the hat lady is, yes, every set is different. You might have an incredibly wild, wild set, and then those people move on to perhaps Canada. And then the next set, you might be singing Mary Poppins, and more of uh, children are in the pub. And the next set, people might want to just be drinking and talking very relaxed. And so you focus in on what those guests are feeling. And you get to truly appreciate each guest. It's great. I know the hat lady loves it. <laughs> what I like about seeing the hat lady when you go in there is, and I have to think for her as a performer as well, is even unlike a venue where you're at a comedy warehouse where you're up on a stage away from the guest, the hat lady is in, she is in the pub. She, her piano is right there. The guests often use it as a, <laughs> you know, they sort of put their drinks in there, but that However, sense of engagement lady, is one on one. I've heard the hat lady say, um, Oh, darling, your drinks are on my <laughs> piano. I don't think I would be playing your dining room table at home either. <laughs> but that one on one for, for both the guest and for the hat lady, that connection is, is very different than as if you were playing, as if you were playing in Carnegie Hall, for example. Right. Um, this very intimate friend of mine, the hat lady, um, very much gets to appreciate a one-on-one -on -one intimate performance. You're right there, and the children are right there, right eye level with you, and it's quite brilliant. Uh, now, I, as Carol Stein, who performs um, with the Space Coast Pops Orchestra, or when we give jazz concerts with my jazz quintet, um, it's a different um, type of relationship you have with your audience, but I really still try to make a connection to have an intimate performance. It's just my style, what I like to do. And you have also been a number of other places. Again, sort of intimate venues. You've been at the Grand Floridian. Listen, oh. we love, oh. lo you know, I, I tell people all the time, one of my favorite free things to do is go to the Grand Floridian in the evening, listen to the Grand Floridian Society Orchestra, yeah. listen to you, who I, at some point, also played you were a solo pianist in the in the lobby as well weren't you that was actually the very first day i ever performed on disney property it was in 1990 and i played as the grand floridian lobby pianist and so that's uh, a very special plate in my place in my heart for disney and i have played with the band as well the orc oh they are amazing those musicians i love those guys so very much i have such massive respect for their musicianship um, but playing as the solo pianist there. You're on a concert Grand Steinway. It's located right in the middle of the lobby of one of the most gorgeous resorts in the world. And the staff there, they 
always make me feel so welcome. I'm, I'm as sincere as I can be. I love when they ask me to be there. Um, it's it's a most beautiful venue, and you're performing music of the era of which I truly love. Melodies that are so rich and exquisite, and and as well as Disney, you know, they have the princess uh, and the character dining there. So when the young girls come dressed up as the princesses, and they want you to play Ariel or Cinderella or uh, Sleeping Beauty, then you get to play these, and they start dancing in their outfits, <laughs> and you just your heart just sits there. It's truly, I sound so it's absolutely Disney magic. Well, and look, I, I love live music in the parks. I, I've done a show recently about live music in Epcot alone. But what I love about The Pianist in the Grand Floridian is it's live music that really sets the tone and the theme for a resort. Look, I, I love the lobby of Wilderness Lodge. Mm-hmm. I, I love the theming of the Beach Club and some of the other resorts. But there's something about walking into that into that atrium or walk, whether you step off the monorail, you step in through the front door, and you look up and you see that the grand skylights, and then you hear the pianist in the background, it really helps set just a, a time elegance. and a theme. It is, it's, it's very elegant. Elegance. Absolute elegance, which is everything about the details of that beautiful resort. It's elegance and warm. And when you walk in, of course, uh, you'll have Richard, for example, the gentleman that's standing out there, and he'll say, welcome home. Well, it's elegance with a real, really nice warm welcome. And I'm sure when you're on the lobby level there, you'll get a lot of people, whether it's adults, kids, coming up and, and making requests to. Sure. Oh, that's the best part. They make requests. Even people standing on the balcony, they'll kind of look down and say, can you play uh, this Gershwin song? It's what my mother and father got married to or something like that. Yeah, it's great. All right, Carol, we're going to go a little old school okay. because I know you also played at uh, some other very unique venues as well. The Hoop de Doo Review, Absolutely. again, it, it's a day one. It's a staple of Walt Disney Absolutely. World. If you've never seen it, it's something you have to go see. But one of my things that I noted when, when uh, you know, thinking about talking to you today was you also played at uh, an extinct venue at the old Top of the World, I still call it the Top of the World yes. Supper Club. Yes, <laughs> the Top of the World. Oh, when my. When you talk about sort of elegance in Walt Disney World, that was it. The yes. Top of the World was, was where you went to see and be seen. Oh, oh, playing there, they had this, it was called Broadway at the Top. They had this great show. It was wonderful. <laughs> and you talk about creme de la creme musicians. Wow. I was always so blown away to have the opportunity because for the first seven years of working at Disney, um, performing here, I was a CT because I was still actually living in Hong Kong and in Europe. And whenever I would come home to Disney and I was, I was here, I had the opportunity to perform. And that's when I was able to meet so many. That's why I was a CT. I was trained in uh, the Diamond Horseshoe and Hoop Dee Doo and all these various venues because I was everybody's sub. And I was just, when somebody wanted to take a venue or perhaps needed a night off, I left it. And I would just go anywhere. I still love it. I love it. And, and top of the world, you know, for people who have never been there, that used to be on the top floor of the Contemporary where California Grill is now. Uh, it's now been sort of paid homage to at the top of the world over at Bay Lake Tower. But... For a time, they had in a lot of, again, the time being the 70s and 80s, yes, uh, the, the real high-end headline, headline musical yes. acts, or when celebrities came to Walt Disney World, that was the lounge. Yes. That's where they went to go and relax. I'm sure yes. you probably saw a lot while you are up there as well, too. 
Well, you get to uh, see people, but of course you keep your distance from those who are celebrities and uh, you speak when spoken to, you know. Uh, but it was wonderful, just the entire experience of being in that creme de la creme situation. Do you remember it, over time, uh, <laughs> it's the birds. <laughs> um, do you remember sort of uh, being up there and performing and being like, oh my God, I can't believe Mel Torme just walked in? Um... No, I just, I, I would always just look at people who are very famous, even today, who are celebrities, who are really, truly talented, and I would look at them with total more of admiration and respect rather than with, uh, you know, the Elvis Presley syndrome that girls had. I, I, that was before my time, of course. It was. But, I, no, I've never had that. It's more of awe and admiration of somebody who has honed their craft um, many people who are famous because they've truly worked hard for it and are very talented, and they didn't become overnight successes. They practiced very, very hard to become the artists that they were. And then, of course, you have others who, well, you know, right place, right time, had an agent. But those who truly have the talent to back up their fame, I just look at with sincere respect and admiration. And so you mentioned the Diamond Horseshoe, and yes. I go back to that because oh, I re- look, Cal, that was my dad's favorite place to go. I don't know whether it was because of the novelty of having to go make a reservation on Main Street or the Can Can Girls, but it was <laughs> when it first opened and for a number of years it was sort of that traveling medicine show really great sort of vaudevillian style uh, performance. Well, what I love so much about it when you have musicians, uh, they used to have a violin, a trumpet, a bass, a drums, a piano, a banjo. They had live musicians. They had real dancers, these fabulous dancers, to do the can-can is not an easy thing. That I sat at the piano. I didn't try the can-can. And they had male dancers and female dancers. They had the uh, Red Hot Mama, um, Jerry Rose, a very, very dear friend of mine. Uh, she was uh, Lily, I think was her name. Uh, and then, of course, they had um, the singers, uh, the singers, dancers, musicians. It was a venue where tr- Walt truly uh, celebrated the American past in the vaudeville. And... You had live entertainment, which is what separates Disney from other entertainment parks around the world. It's the details and the master, the masterful artistic creations of the Imagineers and live entertainment. And it helped to tell the story. It helped to sort of complete that story of that transition between Liberty Square and Frontierland. It, yes. it set a time. And it was in, look, a lot of places we talked about are outside the theme parks. That was one of the few venues inside a theme park where there was a, a show going on with live performance. I think that was a big draw for a lot of people. Yeah, and I think still, when people come to Main Street and they see the saxophones mm-hmm. playing, or they see the actors who are so great, you know, the Main Street crowd, or even at the studios, you know, they have those fabulous actors there, and they see live people that are entertaining. It's, it's the core basis that brings entertainment to life. At Disney, and that's why I love that they have live musicians at Germany. They have, you know, off kilter. They have the mariachis. They have all these amazing—not just musicians. Of course, I'm partial to the musicians, <laughs> but the actors and the quality. You know, when people come and audition for for Disney, they know that probably the first time it'll be thank you very much. We'll we'll let you know. We'll call you, but may not get. The, the gig because Disney has a very high standard and many of the musicians that I know have been here way over 20 years and it's a wonderful place to get to do your craft where you really get to perform as an artist as a musician as an actor 
and enjoy life with your family and living in a beautiful place like Florida. We're talking about today that if the weather was like this all year round, everybody would live in Florida. It's 78 (laughs) degrees and it's February. (laughs) I love it. Uh, But you performed, you know, you performed at the resort. You performed in, I almost called it like Buena Vista Village, in in downtown Disney. You performed in the Magic Kingdom. You were in Epcot for, for Candlelight. You also performed at the studios. Uh, at both the Brown Derby and I bet you a lot of people have never heard the name the Studio 7 band oh the Studio 7 was before the Beauty and the Beast show which is still that wonderful show live live dancers and singers um, they had four for a dollar mm-hmm. there's Jen said in acapella right well on their days off or alternating with them was Studio 7 and uh, it was uh, singers and, and musicians that performed a show and it was great I, again I was a sub I was one of the subs. Uh, Chris Rottmeyer was the was the pianist there, and it was great. Left it. Now I've also seen you perform in some special events as well too. Private parties. One of my favorite ones was a couple of years ago. Uh, going back to talking about the Adventures Club, and many of us who missed it, there was an event that was held every year called Conga Louche, uh-huh. and they had reserved the stage at Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular. Yes. And you would come out, and as cool as it was being on the stage and everything that was coming on with the Adventures Club performers, you were, for a lot of people, myself included, sort of the highlight of that. Oh. Because, again, it was uh, it was that very sort of fun, funny, you're very funny, too, interactive kind of performance. How, how, do those, how do you like doing those kind of events where it's not performing in front of theme park guests, but those people who um, have brought you in because of what you do and the different theming of those events as well? Well, number one, the people who are the actors, they are funny. <laughs> um, I'm a musician who loves to entertain. But trust me, the Comedy Warehouse and the Adventure actors, they're funny. I'm not funny. They're funny. Um, I love doing special events for many, many reasons. One, it's again, you get variety. You get to do something different. It depends on the theme of the event. Uh, is it a wedding celebration? Is it uh, a special event like Kungaloosh, which are for people who are connoisseurs of the Adventurers Club? <laughs> and I use that word very seriously. They are real connoisseurs. I adore doing special events. And it also gives you a chance to be refreshed so that when you go back to your uh, regular full-time gig, which is such an amazing entity in itself... You come in with a, another refresh. Oh, boy, I can't wait, wait to get back to that gig. And it's, it's almost like having a, a vacation, doing something you love, going back to work to something you love. <laughs> you know that, that great saying, if you truly love what you do as a profession, you'll never work a day in your life? And it's, it's very true. Now, of course, we do practice hard, whether you're a musician or an actor, learning new songs, learning lyrics, learning styles, continually keeping up with what's new. Well, Lady Gaga, whether we have our opinions about her or not, she's here. And you can't be an ostrich and put your head in the sand and and not to know what's going on. And you have to keep current. Um, Now, for somebody uh, at a certain age to sing um, someone like, um, oh, what's the young girl? (laughs) See what happens? I have nothing but 80s and Disney music on my iPhone. Hannah Montana. (laughs) I I personally um, don't feel comfortable singing Hannah Montana songs. But I'm aware of who she is. And, what and so what does. do you do when, when a kid comes over to you and say, oh, please sing. I don't even know what it is. Go sing Justin Bieber's Bieber Fever. I don't know what he sings. I'll but. say, would you like to sing it? And I'll play for you. <laughs> that's what I'll do. And that's what you try to do. But you have to know who Justin Bieber is. And you have to know who Hantana, Hannah Montana is. And it helps if you remember who they are, too. <laughs> <laughs> and so before I ask you the unfair question, and this, I'm going to preface so you can think about it, of... Oh. What is maybe, because it's like asking your favorite child, what's your favorite place to play? 
out of all the places you've played that are no longer here, is the one that you kind of miss the most? It's like, oh, if they could only bring back X, I would love to play there one more time. Well, I'm so glad they brought back Comedy Warehouse. That was, you know, my heart is definitely, that's where I grew uh, so much as an artist in the field of entertainment and improvisation. I, the Diamond Horseshoe was a great show. Um, and I, I still get to perform the hoop de doo so I... Yeah, oh, I think the Top of the World was a great show. And also, believe it or not, I was a Kids of the Kingdom band member. Wow. Yes, I was. Most of the Kids of the Kingdom, we weren't kids anymore by the time we weren't playing it. But uh, again, incredible musicians that were part of the Kids of the Kingdom band. And many of them are still in town performing either for Disney or other venues. Um, many went to Vegas, New York, L.A., around the world. Uh, I can't, I can't say, of course, Comedy Warehouse, I was there the longest, and, and many friends. The beautiful thing about being a performer for Walt Disney, and I think most of my friends who are here will agree, we have a relationship that is very unique, uh, especially I as a musician who have had the opportunity to work with actors, uh, much more than most musicians, but even working with other musicians, we really have a bond of friendship that has lasted decades, for real. We've had people that, you know, got married, they've had children, they've gone off to college, they've gotten married, and now they're having children. And for those of us who have been here so many years, it's a bond of friendship. Not only respect as, as an artist, which it is, and we constantly still work together, which is an awesome thing in itself. Let's say you're doing a show in New York, and it runs for a year or two. Well, great. But we're doing shows for 20 years. We're working with some of the same people. And... Especially when you see the Comedy Warehouse people, for example, working on stage. The way they can create that magic is they know each other. They can sometimes know what each other's thinking. They, they can actually feed off each other's energy, if you want to use that word, to continue to create what they do. And to be there when someone's in need. Uh, someone has uh, an experience in life. You know, there's all phases in life that we go through. Parents aging or children or somebody needs help. And we're there as a community. That's It's a very, very, very unique, special bond. Many have gone to California and come back. Many have gone to New York and come back. It's almost a home centerpiece. And I think Disney creates has created that environment. And we know that and we realize that. And the love and respect that many of us have for each other. Um, now, it doesn't mean that we don't have issues because, you know, we're all human beings. And, no, everybody doesn't love everybody and everybody doesn't uh, always have that bond forever. But the amount of people who do, it's, it's an amazing concept to be working as an artist and to have a place like Disney where you're proud to work for such a company. You know you're going to have an incredibly high standard of entertainment that you're going to be presenting. And that's something to be proud of. And the Disney uh, company, you know, they, they are very um, aware of things that are changing and, and try to also keep up with what's going on in, in the entertainment business and whether it's technology. And I like that Disney hasn't forgotten some of the, the basic foundations, you know. You really have to remember the, the basics is we're all here for the guests and everything we do is for, yes, we have a wonderful life, we are able to entertain, but we are here to make when people come here for their family reunions and gatherings, for their weddings. For, we are here to make sure that is absolutely, it's not just a saying, uh, making the memories. It's, it's real, and that's what we do, and we love it. And they don't forget the simple pleasure like seeing a live pianist in the Grand Floridian lobby or the greeter who's out front. But, you know, you, you made reference to 
the fact that many of you as artists have been here for an extended amount of time and you create not just bonds I think between one another but you create bonds with the audience and that's why people miss the Comedy Warehouse they miss the Adventures Club not because of, of the show that's being performed but we as guests you make us feel as though we know you we're friends with you and we come back to see you over and over again I think of you the same way I think of sort of a yeehaw Bob Jackson that he has oh. legions of followers yes. that come back to him they've seen his show they know his show they can tell you what's going to come next but they have <laughs> that relationship because some of you have been here for so long. Yes. And and we really do love our guests, our repeat guests. Um, I do have guests that come in um, who I know their children. I, I, I know what they're doing. I know where they went on holiday. They ask me, oh, are you going to play in France again this summer? And I say, yes, as a matter of fact, I will. I will be going to France again this summer performing as a jazz artist on a cruise. Um, it's, it is a nice bond. And, it's, of course, the intimate venue of which I happen to be at now is even more so. But I had guests last night that came in to see me perform, and they said, oh, the Comedy Warehouse days, you know, and they know all the names of the actors and... Yes, but that's why we're here. You're absolutely right. And do you think, and I'm not asking you to, you know, reveal anything, but do you think just sort of as a performer, as a guest, as, a, as someone who loves Disney, based on sort of, I guess, that trial run of the Comedy Warehouse in a theme park environment, do you think maybe there's a chance that, that something like that could continue or come back again? Because I think, again, for those who are nostalgics who miss it and those who were introduced to that concept for the first time, they really liked what that show represented. I definitely think management was incredibly pleased with what they saw. They were there often in our shows. They were actually physically present there to see what we did and how the audiences responded. And I do think there's some type of future plans that they might be considering. I'm not in on that loop. Um, I'm sure they'll let us know at that time, but we certainly hope that they'll consider having various times where they would like to continue having Comedy Warehouse together to create that for the guests. Yeah. And I love having, especially a lot of the creative people, whether it's an artist, an animator, designer, musician, whatever it might be, come on the show because I want them. To, I want people who are listening to not only be introduced maybe to what you do here to enhance their experience, but to learn more about you, uh, to hear. Because, look, everybody's journey here is different. And I know that there's probably a lot of people who are listening who are saying, I'm a musician or I'm a struggling musician or, God, I, I love music. The one thing I would love to do is play at Walt Disney World, whether it's at Jelly Rolls, the World Showcase, the top of the world of whatever to come. What kind of advice do you think you would give somebody who is saying, God, this is, this is what my dream is. This is where I would love to be. First, I'd say it's a great dream. <laughs> I think it's absolutely a great goal to have. Um, because I had the experiences of traveling around the world for so many, many years before here, um, I was very, very happy to come home to this you know, I've been very, very fortunate, and I'm so glad that I've had this uh, opportunity to be here. First thing is to hone your craft, know what you're doing, and feel confident in what you're doing, and be open to learn new concepts. Um, there were people performing in venues where they never thought they would be performing that kind of music. Well, that's the greatest thing, is you're learning something new, a new style that you have the technique to do, but it's a whole new style and a whole new venue. And that's one of my favorite journeys that I've had at Disney is I've learned so much and continue to learn all the time, no matter where they have me performing, whether it's for a special event or I have to learn a new type of song, whether it's a Lady Gaga song, <laughs> whatever it is, it's be open to know that wherever you are as a musician, you're only going to get better 
and you're only going to be able to get better by practicing and respecting your craft. And when you go into auditions, be professional, dress according to how you would want someone to look at you and respect you as a musician, be prepared, have your resume down, have examples, and, and present yourself as the professional that you feel you are. And that's the best advice for anybody auditioning. Be prepared. Know what's expected of you. If you want to audition for a venue, know what that venue is about. You know, if you want to go audition as a musician for the Polynesian, but you've never played any of that kind of music, probably uh, might want to do some research. Uh, see the show. See what you're going to do. And, and in all seriousnesses, be prepared for the audition of which you are auditioning. And they are very talented people that are listening to you that will be hiring you. Very experienced. They've also been with Disney for many years. Uh, they are very good at their craft, and they also know what they're looking for. And it's great. Of course, you can always have young musicians come in and, and audition and, and fill in some new spots where other people are moving on in life. And it's uh, open auditions uh, that occur as actors and musicians at Disney. And then they have specialized auditions. When a Let's say there's a a person leaving a venue, going, moving away, or whatever their reason is, then they have specialized auditions. And But know what you're auditioning for and be prepared. That's all. And if people want to come out and see you, as well they should, and hopefully, again, if people have seen you in the past, they'll sort of recognize your voice and now put the name to it, where can they uh, find you or some friends of yours in the parks? Um, you can see a very good friend of mine uh, at the Rose and Crown, Usually five nights a week, uh, Thursdays and Sundays, Miss um, Pam Brody is there. She is the one and only Miss Pam Brody from London. She is the queen of the Rose and Crown. But a very good friend of mine, the Hat Lady, is there five nights a week, not on Thursdays and Sundays, from 5.20 till 9. And there's four sets, 5.26.27.28.20. And I'll make sure to tell people to, to come in. Ask for a Justin Bieber song. <laughs> no, no, oh no. Oh, but no. they, I, I hope people come in and they they look to see and, and listen and, and hear the Hatley perform. And who knows, maybe you know they might be able to find Carol Stein elsewhere throughout property. And they can also find out more about you online as well. You're at carolstein.com. Yes. And what do you, what can they find on your site? Uh, I have my resumes, of course, uh, where I've performed. I have my CDs, uh, information about the CDs. You can purchase them online uh, and contact information as well. And photos, lots of photos. Awesome. Carol, thank you so much um, for not only joining me today, but for, you know, years and years of making the experience for us as guests so much better. Uh, Whether it's a simple, you know, piano you know, playing in the lobby of the Grand Floridian or the laughs that you gave us at Comedy Warehouse, uh, Top of the World, wherever it might be. I hope that you stay here for 10 decades beyond and continue <laughs> to entertain guests. Thank you so, so very much. Thank you. You are just a treasure. I hope Disney knows what a treasure you are. And I really appreciate you asking me and inviting me to be here today. And with all the birds singing around the boardwalk and all the people riding by on their bicycles and, and uh, adding to the ambiance, I, I do love being here at Disney. It is passionate love. And I love what I do. 
And I hope that I'm able to express that and share that with the guests that come to this park and, and share the magic of Disney. Thank you. You absolutely do. You definitely embody what that magic is all about. Carol Stein from carolstein.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. As I said at the beginning of the show, just a couple of announcements for you and information about a special WW Radio Live coming up this Wednesday, February 22nd. As you may know, every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, we have WW Radio Live, where we cover the WDW newscast, where you get a chance to watch and chat and talk about this week's Walt Disney World news in the interactive chat room, and then stay on and chat with us for a while afterwards. Well, this Wednesday, February 2nd, is going to be special because we are going to start with the regular newscast starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, and we'll be broadcasting once again live from Walt Disney World, but the location and why we're staying longer is what makes this one special because we're going to be broadcasting from the River Roost Lounge over at Port Orleans Riverside and we're going to have a chance to sit and chat with, speaking of performers like Carol Stein, legendary Walt Disney World entertainer, Yeehaw Bob, and then we're going to stay, talk with him for a while and stay and watch the show. If you're in Walt Disney World, please feel free to come on by, sort of join the audience as we record the show and then stay with us as we stay and enjoy Yeehaw Bob. Again, that's Port Orleans Riverside River Roost Lounge. The show starts at 7.30. Yeehaw Bob will probably start about 8.30 or so. So please come by and say hi. And again, you can bring the entire family. Also, too, don't forget we just launched, super excited still, about the all-new WDWRadio.com. Brand new site, brand new interface. Makes it a lot easier to find even more great content that we're pumping out every day. Got a lot of great blog contributors, the podcasts, videos, discussion forums, and lots more. While you're there, you can explore the site. Also, check out our shop. I have a special going on just for you guys over at the WW Radio store where you can save 15% on my audio tours and the limited edition five-year anniversary pin. Proceeds to that go to the Dream Team Project to benefit Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. When you check out, use the code WDWRADIO5. WDWRADIO and the number five, all one word. Save 15% on your order. And that code is good this week only. I'll extend it until Sunday. I give you a chance to download the show and take advantage of the uh, of the code. That code will be valid until Sunday, February 26th. Speaking of this weekend, it is the annual Disney Princess Marathon weekend. 5K on Saturday, half marathon on Sunday. We will be there as well as other members of the WDW Radio running team. Some will be running, walking, walking. Lots of us will be cheering on the sidelines. Look for our signs if you're going to be running the course Either event will also be in the WW Radio Blue uh, Running Team shirts. Please come by, say hi. We'll look for you guys before and after the race at the finish line as well. If you want to cheer along with us, not sure exactly where we're going to be stationed, but you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangiello, or I'll also post them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lou Mangiello. Let you know where we are during, uh, before, and after the races as well. Stay tuned. Also, we're getting close to releasing the all-new WDW Radio free iPhone and Android app. Should be out very, very soon. Also, come by CelebrationsPress.com. There you can subscribe and order back issues of Celebrations Magazine. Thanks, as always, to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel, where they go into Disney World, Land, Hong Kong, 
Adventures by Disney, or if you're coming with us, and I hope you are, especially in light of our recent news, on the WDW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream, November 4th through the 8th, 2012. We announced last week our very, very special guest, super excited for this, is none other than Disney legend Richard M. Sherman of the Sherman Brothers. He's going to be joining us, sharing his stories, his music, and lots more, again, exclusive to the WDW Radio Group. You have to book as part of the group in order to take part in what he's going to be doing with us as well as some other surprises we have as well. For more information, to get a no-obligation quote, you can visit www.radiocruise.com. And when you're coming to Disney World, maybe you want, maybe you're bringing the extended family, grandma, grandpa, friends, neighbors, whatever it may be. You want to get a bigger home with your own pool, spa, multiple master bedrooms, you can visit allstarvacationhomes.com. They have houses up to seven bedrooms. We've used them in the past. When we've come down, extended family, love them. And of course, if you want to stay in the heart of Walt Disney World, more importantly, if you want to stay on the most comfortable beds on property, you know I love not just the beds, but the restaurants over at the Swan and Dolphin within walking and boat distance to Epcot, Disney's Hollywood Studios. You can check them out over at swanandolphin.com. Finally, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, and I hope you do, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share the link to the latest episodes of your favorite blog posts over on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Pinterest, or your favorite Disney discussion forums. And please come by, rate, and review the show over in iTunes. All very, very much appreciated. And as always, I want you guys to remember that the secret to making your dreams come true is to start taking those first steps. And when you do, work hard, always, and keep moving forward. Thank you so very much for taking the time and tuning in and let me share my passion with you each and every week. Hope to see some of you either in the box or in person this Wednesday night for Yeehaw Bob and hope to see you again next week as well. I hope you have a fantastic week, everybody. So until then, see ya. Listeners and fellow box people, my name is Lorea, and my box people name is the same thing because I'm that creative. I'm a longtime listener, but I'm a first time caller from Virginia, and I've never called before because I hate my voice, but I absolutely felt compelled after listening to show 260 when you're answering listener voicemails. I think it was, as you say, podcast gold and the best show since you interviewed Alice. Costumer. I just wanted to say thank you for all you do. You made my potentially horrible day a great day. I've had a big smile on my face since I've been listening, and that's despite the snow. Uh, I also wanted to say thank you, but kind of slightly also hate you for introducing me to Blue Zoo because even with all that you say about it, I still don't think you talk up blue zoo enough it is all you say and more and i am now addicted to it i loved your proposal idea i thought that was phenomenal be it because i've been working towards having doing the half marathon for two years now because i've had to have foot surgery and everything else but the half marathon proposal was fantastic the listener with the question about who would play a great well i thought that was Awesome. It made me really, really think, too. Right now, I'm planning a huge family get-together, and it'll be during the time you guys are on the cruise, but we will all be running the Wine and Dine for the WGW Radio Running Team, 
and I can't wait to see you then. I won't say that I'm planning a lot of special stuff for my family because they all listen to it. So I just wanted to say thank you for encouraging me and all you do, and thanks for also encouraging me to keep moving forward to my dreams because now I'm on my way. Hey, Lou, what's going on? Just wanted to let you know my five, uh, five favorite things. Um, all right, one has to be when you're in Hawaii, one of your Hawaii shows. Um, also, what else, what else, what else? When you're on your cruise, uh, some of your older shows are really good. Some of those long, long shows. I like those long shows. I listen on YouTube, so I get through the day at work. I'm a security guard, so... You know, I listen to it on most of these shows on YouTube, and uh, those nice 56-minute shows were really good, and, uh, you know, the long shows, it makes the time go fast. Um, but those are your good, good shows to get your, uh, the uh, one when you went all night, uh, some of the older shows and some of the newer shows, and uh, just keep up the great work. You do a great job, and... Uh, all right, I'll be listening to your shows, and I don't know, maybe one of these times when I'm in Disney, I come once a year, uh, maybe I'll see you in the park. All righty. Uh, this is Rob Moralder, and uh, definitely uh, congratulations on your five years, and you know what? Hopefully it's a lot longer. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is Karen calling from Bristol, Connecticut, Case Story in the Box. Calling to leave you what my top five podcasts of the WDW radio show would be. Starting with number five. Number five is a go with me here because how I found you was actually through a series of videos that you had done about the food and wine uh, festival and some walkabouts where everyone was trying all kinds of food and you guys were commenting them. So number five isn't really a podcast but more so the series of those videos. Number four is the top ten water features. I absolutely love that podcast, and I love all of the top tens that you guys do. Number three is the Alice Davis interview, uh, part of the podcast. I could not stop laughing for days and days and would just keep listening to it. And the amount of preparation that she had to do for everything, was it was just amazing to hear all about that. Number two was the live restaurant review at Blue Zoo, only because it was great listening to everyone enjoy their food and auto cruise as well as the new cruise ship. It was great to hear everyone's opinion and to really find out in detail about what is available on that ship in general. So there you go. Uh, congratulations on five years. Keep up the great work, and thank you for everything you do you really bring all of us together. We all love Disney, but especially what you do for us, it's just amazing. So thank you, and thank you to everyone in the box. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. This is Lindsay, and I'm calling to tell you that um, my boyfriend Dan and I just moved down here to Orlando. We did a cross-country trip all the way from Eugene, Oregon to Orlando, Florida, and we left on the January 27th, and we arrived at our apartment in Orlando on the 1st of February. We are enjoying it here very much. He, my boyfriend Dan, transferred um, down here for work. We definitely listened to um, like three of your last podcasts um, on our trip down here. Um, they were all great, great information that you gave out. 
Um, one we really enjoyed um, was about the Plaza restaurant. I know that um, Dan tweeted you about the restaurant and that we were eating at it. We ate at the restaurant on Saturday, and we loved it. We enjoyed the food very much. The atmosphere was great. Um, we did, though, get to um, see the fireworks and stuff um, about halfway through it because we had to wander away through the crowd and everything to actually get there. But um, once we actually noticed where it was located at, we were surprised that we had never noticed it before because we always pass it when we are going to Space Mountain. I think we're in such a big hurry to get to Space Mountain the first thing in the morning so that we can get a fast pass or get right on um, before the big line happens. And we have never noticed it until you had done your review on it. And I just want to let you know that we will definitely be there on the 11th for the um, five-year anniversary party. And also that my birthday is this coming Wednesday on February 8th. So we will be celebrating my birthday on the 11th of February at Disney. And it will be the first time that we have celebrated my birthday at Disney. We have done Dan's birthday twice and at Disney in July last year and then the year before. And so I hope that you have a great day, and we will see you on Saturday. Bye. Hi, Lou. It's Chuck Lyonberg with the Disney Daddy. Congratulations on five years of WDW Radio. It's been an honor and a pleasure being with you for some of those shows. So here's looking to five more years of fun and magic. You've got 